Hey, it's Brian K. Vaughn, and you're listening to Chris's Comics. Welcome to Chris's Comics Podcast. My name is Chris and this is a podcast about comic books. With me as always is punk rock pirate time lord, Mr. Jay Vidette. I can hear you smiling <laughs> as he said that. If anyone listening, he's attempted, he's attempted it three times and he's got that wrong. I, just, I can hear you smile like going, yeah, I'm getting through this, I'm nailing it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, here we are, we're back again. Uh, somewhat regular episodes we've got going here. We've been releasing them like weekly, which is fucking mad. Um, I know, but yeah, considering comics haven't been weekly for a fucking while. Yeah, but new comic book day is back. So, how great does that feel to have new comics again? Is it right? right hold on, you're gonna have to educate me. Is it back? I don't know what you mean by it's back. <laughs> is, is it though? Like like Thor and Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. Is, like, it, the... is, it, is, it, is it digital online only? No, no, it's it's back, but there's just not very much coming out. Um, when when did it did it start this week? Yeah, it started last week, I think. Yeah, so it's back. It's back, but um, there's not a lot coming out. But I have some right, new, right. new books to talk about. Um, well, I'll have to start updating the site again. I've just I've just been I've been waiting for i've been basically watching you and field mouse i didn't realize books were actually back i trust you and field mouse over any kind of major outlets of information when it comes to this but i I didn't realize as far as i was aware it was still kind of like an online thing yeah trust me me and field mouse over newsarama and uh ign all that kind of shit (laughs) no fandom wire field mouse is uh, he's back at the shop? He's back at Rick's Comic City in Nashville. Shout out! And he's there selling his books. Um, but yeah, today our uh, book club is going to be Batman: Curse of the White Knight. Uh, that is finished now. It's finally the last issue. Issue eight came out um, a few weeks back. Uh, you've only just received it, but you've read it, right? I've read it, yeah. And don't worry, we've already discussed this. We're not going to go over it like as mad as we did Doomsday Clock. We're going to kind of like just talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, some key points, stuff like that. Yeah, we'll just give it a general review like we, we yeah. did with our other stuff. Doomsday Clock was an exception because it was such a mammoth thing. We, we felt like yeah, we, it's hard we needed, to just... to, needed to go into it. For our own sakes, really, more than anyone's, because we just wanted yeah, to... Yeah, that, really, that was really <laughs> selfish. It was just yeah. me and you wanting to go, like, that far into it. Yeah, we just... Um, we, we, we'd been waiting for two fucking years to discuss it with each other. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at my numbers, and, like, the downloads for that episode are the lowest one yet, and I'm not surprised, because it's almost like a three-hour podcast, but... Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I don't care. We had fun. We had a good discussion. 
But yeah, we will I mean, be- the other thing as well is I feel like on one, there's, I've changed tack on podcasts. So like the podcasts I listen to normally, which are kind of like what, what we do, um, I've, I, I prefer to listen to while driving on the way somewhere. But I don't like them when I'm just doing like housework. or oh, just, Same, mate, same. It's really weird because I've not been working. I, I listen to a podcast when I'm driving. And because I'm not driving anymore, I haven't listened to any podcasts in months. So I'm so mm-hmm. behind on everything. And it's really weird because I miss listening to podcasts. And I went to go and listen to one the other day. Just sit down on the couch, put my earphones in. I just couldn't do it. I just like yeah. <laughs> I need to be driving to listen to a podcast. I, I don't know what it is. I I've been listening like I'm really balls to the wall on this new Scrubs podcast that's out. Uh, it's both the guys from Scrubs, JD and Turk, both doing it, doing like episode reviews. It's very good. If you like Scrubs, you'll love it. But it just feels right. I feel like I'm listening to because it's them really. I feel like I'm listening to like a radio show. So I'll get up in the morning whack it on and then I'll clean the kitchen, cook me breakfast, do jobs, etc. And I feel like I'm just listening to the radio. Mm. But I couldn't put on like any of my normal nerdy stuff because it's just I need to be in the zone, which like you said, it's driving. I don't know what it is, but driving yeah. makes I, a difference. Yeah, you know, the only one that I can listen to when I'm like doing chores around the house and that's Blink one fifty five. Like I can listen I, I, can... I can't as much. It's weird. I tried that. I I, I uh, there was it was so off and on. It was so off and on. I feel like there's another one where I need to be behind the wheel. Yeah. Well, yeah. So hashtag I digress. I guess we're yeah we're back. <laughs> we're going to talk about Batman White Knight. Uh, sorry, Curse of the White Knight in a bit. But like I said, we've got some new comics to talk about, um, and yeah. it, f- it feels so nice to have new comics again. Um, well, I mean, how how new is new to you? Because my new and your new are going to be very different. <laughs> well, well, I guess so. Well, I'm talking about ones like in the past couple of weeks. Um, I'm talking about the fact I finally got comics in the mail. That took so long to arrive. I've got Amazing Spider-Man, issue 42, Immortal Hulk, uh, Legacy 750, and the final two issues, the penultimate, the final issue of Punisher Soviet. I've waited weeks for them to arrive. Right, so and, uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue 43 came out, so you're one behind on that now. <laughs> ah! <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it, it, to me, it's great to have new comics back again because I was, uh, well, I've been doing my reread of my entire collection, haven't I? Because I've had no new comics to read. And Stanley, Incredible Hulk was starting to drive me insane, just slowly insane. <laughs> It's just it's ridiculous. So, yeah, we'll get stuck into some new books, eh? Do you want to go first or should I? I mean, I'll happily go first. Um, one of the ones I want to give a big shout-out to is that issue of Amazing Spider-Man 42. Oh, okay, okay. It did. It was almost not... like a Gibbon thing, wasn't it? Yeah! Yeah, Nick Spencer's back, baby. Like... Nick Spencer just gibboned the shit out of me in this. It was it was very, I did not see it coming. I looked at the cover, which I know never normally means much, but I was like, what is, what, what's just going to be a giant monster and Spider-Man fighting him? And I, don't, I knew nothing about this character at all. And by the end of it, I was like nearly like crying. It's like, an, yeah, it's, it's another gibbon, isn't it? This character's called Gog, isn't he? Yeah. 
Um, and he's an alien from another planet. Well, that goes without saying, alien from another planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just like a really, really great piece of character work from Nick Spencer again. You know, he's, he's taken a, a real Z-list character that no one really knows anything about and just developed this insane backstory and given it such emotional you know it, weight. You know what it reminded me of? Have you read, have you read Descender? Uh, I read the first few issues, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of Descender. It rem- yeah. The relationship between the boy and mm, the... Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like it's a little robot he has. Yeah. I was I was watching it going, reading it going, this is a little bit Descender-like. And it's like he's just done... Nick, Nick Spencer has this ability. To t- he, he needs to go and work for Pixar after he's done with comics because that little short in Up at the very beginning shows an entire 80-year relationship and, like, five minutes with nearly no dialogue and has you in tears by the end of it he could go to he could get an oscar for if he was with pixar he could do that times 20 yeah he's just so good so good at just putting and what was quite clever was he didn't like make he didn't wreck on anything he's just like whenever spider-man's met this guy it's just been at his lowest ebb but then when he's not on earth He's a scourge and he's afraid and he's actually the, the, not the most powerful that he is compared to when he's on it. It was just very, very clever writing yeah. and not what I, I it might as well, I might as well open the pages and a big fist come out and knock me out. I was not expecting it. Yeah, that's definitely a, a strong point, that kind of storytelling. He should stick to it as well because, mm. you know, like we, we've discussed his, his run in the past and it's so uneven. And I think a lot of it is due to editorial mandate and, you know, restrictions on what you can and can't do and where he takes the story. Um, yeah. But the last two issues have been really good. Like I say, issue 43 came out this week and it was really good. It was just part two to that, basically. And, you know, it just went into GOG even more and it was so good, man. I mean, that's the thing. You say editorial... This like this virus has slowed everything down, put everyone on a bit of a back burner. So I kind of feel like while all these comics publishers have to get like the acceleration going again and going right, we've got to restart this event, but people might have forgotten, so we've got to maybe put a little bit of filler in or whatever. He will use this time to feel I'm free to do whatever the fuck I want and he'll have a load of fun and that's why I can't that's what I like about Nick Spencer. As much as he can go like if you ever think Leo still won't read any Spider-Man because he's been hurt too much now in the past from reading Spider-Man and not meeting it. But people like Nick Spencer are important because what, the editors are always going to push and force stories on. They'll try and put them in the best way like, that they possibly can. But in between those moments, these there's brilliant, brilliant writing. Yeah, with you mentioning the event thing, I wonder what's going to happen now with all that because... Marvel had this big summer event planned, didn't they? Empire, um, and obviously that's not happened. And I, I, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to just like push it back and still bring it out, or it's kind of messed I mean, everything it, up. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's when you say summer event, you do immediately box yourself in to thinking that it has to be a summer event. But bear in mind, it's not like over summer events. It doesn't have to go off of weather. It doesn't. It isn't affected by like summer blockbusters where everyone puts all their best work out, and you've 
you you want to be there because that's prime viewing for when schools are out and shit like that. And that's why, you know, you don't release a film that you want to win an Academy Award in January. You wait till somewhere between June and September. Um, it's just, I don't think it would be affected. I think they'll just continue the timeline. The only thing they may now do is go, but we want to go back to having summer events. Stuff might get cut. Stuff might go, well, we're going to do the summer event, but now it's in fall, as they would say, or winter. Uh, the stuff we have planned for spring and winter, we're going to fuck off. Yeah, it's a weird one. Because I know that the Marvel especially love to release new stuff according to what movie they're bringing out. Like There was tons of Black Widow stuff. That got it. Just, it came out, and then obviously it was meant to coincide with the movie, and that's oh, what yeah, happened. So it's such. I a, feel so sorry for, for the Black Black Widow people because obviously people, they've been pushing for every Black Widow to get a film for years. She finally gets a film, and then China happens, and <laughs> and, and Wonder Woman as well. Like they brought out all the pops. They brought out all the merch already. Like, and mm. the pops have, like, spoiled some stuff in the film. And it's just like, what the fuck? It's oh, crazy, I haven't man. seen? Yeah, Don't yeah. tell me. Well, I haven't not, seen? No, I won't say, but I was a bit pissed off when I saw it. Because I was like, oh, would have preferred to have seen that in the film, you know, because... But, uh, but uh, hey, at least we got Bloodshot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bloodshot? <laughs> <laughs> St- straight to stream, that, wasn't it? Bloody hell. I haven't even seen that yet. I haven't seen that, and I've... And I don't want to. That that could be one of those. We'll put that in the fan for a stick pile. Oh god, it's... yeah. So, any other books you want to talk about? What you've read? Um, I'll tell you what. I, I'll I'll talk about with you, which might be interesting. Have you read *V for Vendetta*? Like, actually read it? I've never read it. No, I've watched right. the movie, but not read the book. I honestly, and some people may go like, "Oh, sacrilege." But I know one of them will not be Field Mouse. I wouldn't bother mm. if you've seen if you've seen the film. Mm. The film maybe is either the same or improves on the book. I, it's, it's one of those. I, I I when Field Mouse put underneath, I said I'm, I always post what I'm reading. Um, that I, I was reading that he was like, oh, I didn't like it. Mm. Bit of a waste of time. But I, I took it as being Field Mouse, Field Mouse being a little bit cynical, which he can be. It's just, you know, that's just how he is. He even says, I'm a realist, I'm cynical, whatever. It's all right, man. We, um, can, we can talk shit about Fear Mouse. He doesn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> I feel but like But if, ta- if I tag him in this, though, he will listen to it because he'll, you yeah, know, he yeah, wants yeah. to hear I himself just, get talked about. <laughs> there was something he said on the last uh, Nerd Cult Underground where I was like, you wouldn't have known that unless you listened to a podcast and Leo didn't pick up on it either. I think he secretly sometimes does. But anyhow... Um, yeah, he, he was like, he kind of dismissed it. I was like, all right, I'll get, I'll still read it. It took me five weeks to read. It's, it's, it's like, it's, I don't know what it was. It, the pull part is perfectly acceptable and great. The story I know I like because I like the film. The dialogue, the dialogue could be the, what's the issue because you know how in the film he's like, very alliterative. He's like, yeah. I have uh, an apple from Applebee. I'm like that. He's quite, that does not happen. He doesn't speak like that in the comic. And I know it sounds like, well, what does that matter? 
But that's the difference in dialogue. The dialogue's very bare minimum. And he does that thing, uh, Alan Moore, he does, he does a bit of a Garth Ennis and has all other characters speak in their accent, you know, like written down. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to read. So I remember, I, I know I've been reading, and you know how fast I read. I've gone through like what a few panels and gone, I have to read that again because I'm not really sure I, I understood that. And I'm going, what's he saying? Pesh, oh. Oh, piss off. Right, okay. And then carrying on. But yeah, V for Vendetta, considering it's like, it's it's regarded really highly. And I get it. It's a, an interesting story. Just watch the film. That's right. my, honestly, I just, and, and it's mad. The only reason we own it is because Eve said, she said, until I met you, and I used to read this every year uh, in the run-up to November. She used oh. to read it in the room to Bonfire like every fucking year. Uh, and she just said, since I met you, I've not, because obviously we've been busy and we've had a life. But I don't know how she did it. I genuinely don't know how she read that every year. That's I'd what I do watch- with um, Batman The Last Halloween. I always read that in October. Yeah, I might start doing that. When I, I only read that last year or the year before. Another, maybe last year. Another tradition I have, I always read Batman Noel in Christ- uh, Christmas time as well. That's fucking what? sick. Batman Noel. It's by um, the guy that did Damned, um, Lee Bermejo. Fucking incredible, incredible looking book. Yeah, well worth, well worth your time. That. Well, hold on. When you say it's by the guy, I thought as uh, Brian Azzarello did Damned. Yeah, he he wrote Damned. Lee Bermejo does the art. Oh, so it's the same artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Who wrote? Who, who writes Noel? Uh, just let me check. Just during reading silence, there was none. When I met Brian Mazzarella, he completely pissed me off. And it wasn't his fault. But <laughs> I was going up all day with a load of comics that I wanted signed. And it's so annoying. You go up and you go and, you go and get signed and you're talking to them. Some people go, what do you want me to put? What's your name? I go, oh, it's Jay. The right, Jay, or whatever. I went to Brian Mazzarella and in front of everyone, I just put it down because I've been asked about five writers in a row. What do you want to put? Well, what's your name? And he went, all right. And then I went, my name is Jay. And he kind of looked at me and went, right. So, do you want me to so write, fucking what? <laughs> do you want me to write Jay on this? And I went, I don't know. Do, do I want you to? Because you know what I'm like. You know what, exactly what I'm like. I, went, I don't know. Do I want you to? And he went, no, dude. He was like, if I write Jay on this now, you do not want that. You want me to just put my signature on and sell it to anyone whenever you want. Do not let people make you put your name on. And I was like, fuck you. I'm in my head. I was going, fuck you. I've been around like everyone and nine-tenths of artists here go, what's your name? Oh, I'll write it on. Oh. And if you even try and hint that, no, it's fine. I go, are you sure? Oh, and you pressured into doing it. And then today, when I'm fucking finding me comics for this, the, the the White Knight, I've gone through and found the Dead Rabbit comics that I got signed. And guess what? He's fucking put, oh, Jay, nice to see you. And then wrote, that, wrote his signature on. So they've gone from being proper rare with these mad signatures on. I've just realised, Bram, I was real. I was just talking shit on them. So what book did you get signed by him? Uh, the Batman Dan book oh, with his novel. But what? With his novel. Oh, there's no about, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's that's sick that you got that signed. That's worth even more now. 
I don't think I have the space. I must. I think I do the issue one with this novel is signed by Brian Azzarello. That's sick. Uh, you know what's frustrating though? Lee Mayo was there the following year, and when you could have got him on there too, that would have been oh shit, that would have been good. But I still can get him. He's not dead. That's true. Speaking of Lee Mayo though, bring it back round. He draws mm. and writes that book, Batman Noel. Oh, does he? Yeah, and it's like way better than Damned. Um, That's interesting because, in fact, that would have been a really good segue into White Knight. <laughs> it would, it would have been, but I've got, I've got my books to talk about. But I'll segue into a Brian Azzarello book that I've read. How about, mm-hmm. how about that? So, um, oh, it, it was a terrible book. I'm not a fan of Brian. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a fan of Brian, Brian Azzarello, Azzarello though. No one tell Brian Azzarello about this podcast, please. I I I've just slagged him off something awful. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, you know what? I was talking about an actual Brian Azzarello comic. It was shit. No, honestly, mate, I'm I'm not holding back. I'm not a fan of his stuff. Um, Damned was let down by his dialogue in that book. Um, it was pretty scatterbrained with the plot as well, wasn't it? The art was just phenomenal, but... Yeah, everything I've read by him, including this, is just terrible. He did do um, Joker though, uh, which he was did Joker, which was which is sick. Yeah, and which is he, good. So that's a I let him off for that and one. He was on New Fifty Two Wonder Woman. He was on New Fifty Two Wonder Woman. Blood and guts. Which yeah, dude. So this is one that I was really pissed off and said, "Me and you need to, we well, like we've talked about when we do the whole DC animated universe thing." That's why I stopped it after like 10 minutes because I was laughing out loud going, one, this is insanely bad for a comic. Two, this is insanely bad for what it's based on because the comic it's based on is fucking amazing. Brian Azzarello kills it. Like, I've ne- it's one of them rare trades that you see me do where I buy it and as soon as I finish it, I go, oh, right, Amazon, second issue, third one. I just buy them. It's they they are they are gangster they are cool as fuck. Fair enough. I'm, I'll have to check it out then because I need some I need some disproving here with my Brian Azzarello hating. But this this new book is just shy. It's Birds of Prey one shot, um, and it's like uh-huh. a like a mini trade, but it's ten dollar book. Uh, it came out this week, and they're trying to do the whole thing where it's like, oh, Harley Quinn's in the Birds of Prey. It's like no, she was never fucking in Birds of Prey at all. But Birds <laughs> of Prey is, fucking... is is Oracle, not um fucking Black Canary, um who's the other one? Huntress, and then whoever else. You know, it's not Harley Quinn was never in Birds of Prey, so I don't know why they're pushing this. But anyway, I do because you you just got on the marketing train, motherfucker. Let's keep Harley Quinn Birds of Prey relative. Let's get yeah, the, the money coming. Oh, like people walking a shop go. There's a book. Oh, I'll go watch the film. Yeah, like I say, that movie should never have been called that anyway. I just don't understand it. But yeah, this came out this week. Nine ninety nine cover price. Prestige format, black label, kind of mini trade. Um, and it was fucking shit, mate. Um, I'll, read you the, <laughs> I'll, I'll read you the synopsis. Black Canary's life has spiralled out of control. Her personal life is going through the ringer and her band is in crisis when an old flame resurfaces, only to flicker out and set her on an all-new mission against an all-new opponent. The only thing that she has to be grateful for is the fact that she's not alone. 
as Huntress finds herself on a collision course with Black Canary's quarry at Detective Montea's urging. Meanwhile, Harley Quinn has resurfaced outside of Gotham City and out of the Suicide Squad with a new lease on life that is sure to make everyone else's life more complicated. And that's Hold only... on. <laughs> that's the synopsis. And that, yeah, and that's only the first five pages of this high-octane graphic novel-length one-shot that pushes the birds of prey far beyond their limits and puts them up against the most brutal crime syndicate ever to sweep into Gotham City. Hard-boiled superstar, super, <laughs> hard-boiled superstar writer Brian Azzarello and the bombshell art team of Emanuela Lappuccino and Ray McCarthy take the birds into no-holes-barred world of black label and none of them will ever be the same. <laughs> right. This is, this is got multiple buzzes going up here. One. <laughs> What do you mean never took them before into Black Label? Black Label so far has only been the question and anyone in Gotham, no one else. And Harley's been in about three of them, those books, so that can fuck off. Number two, what, what, what do you mean, like, oh, it's the most dangerous crime syndicate entered Gotham, what will they do? Hmm, Batman maybe. Batman might be able to sort it. If they can't, not really a threat. Number three, why is Harley still in a fucking band? And why is that still even a plot point? Like, she's in a band, either A... You mean Black Canary? What? You mean Black Canary? Oh, is it Black Canary in a band? Yeah, well, she's the singer. Why are they in bands? Why do we keep putting these superheroes in bands? They can do... More... Fucking Peter Parker. Like, his uncle died. Like, with great power comes great responsibility. He can't even hold a fucking job down because of this. Now, half of Gotham is like, you know what? I'm going to stop, like, doing what I do best, which is, like, either A, rob shit, or B, save shit. And I want to cover Winger. So, like, what the... F- yeah, it, it's terrible, this book, mate, because in the first... Right, so you look at it and you think, okay, that was a shit synopsis, it sounds awful, but maybe there's a bit of promise there. You know, we've got a, an all-female cast, you know, like, it, it looks like this, you know, could be entertaining in the right kind of way. On the first page, it fails the Betchel test. You know that thing we were talking about? Cause it's... Oh, there you go. For the, for the listeners, do you want to remind them? Yeah, I can't. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. The, the Betchel test. And it's about it's... whether there's a moment in a film or a comic or whatever where there's a conversation going on between two women that's not about a man. I think that's the... I think that's, yeah, yeah, that's it what it is. Involve, it, it, like men, men, and yeah. in, it's easier. We'll have multiple topics to talk about. However, women seem to always be talking about being in love with a man, getting over a man, being uh, the current relationship with a man, or a it, family member. You know, that's a male yeah, 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 or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Family member to do with a man. Yeah, but they they don't talk about their own lives, which so, is again why we said I like most female character comics, because I think the ones I magnet towards, go towards, don't do that. But sorry, carry on. Yeah, so on the first page it fails that, with Black Canary getting woken up by a phone call off one of her ex-fuck buddies or something, and it's just like this really strange, like, lazy, all-over-the-place dialogue. And this fella's somewhere shooting someone, and then someone comes after him, and uh, chops his head off when he's on the phone to her. And before, <laughs> before he gets his head sliced off, he right. says, um, uh, man, the time we waste 
given too short a life. Can you do me a favour? And she says, what? Maybe sometime, think of me in the shower. And then puts her phone down and gets his head sliced off. I mean, what the fuck? That's as, that's as terrible things about both genders. Yeah, it's just really <laughs> odd. And then Harley comes along on a completely separate thing. And she she shouldn't be in this book. She's broken up with the Joker. She's left the Suicide Squad. And she wants to become a good guy. And it's just like, it's just fucking shit, mate. And then, again, buzz, 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 buzz. And then this is something I've never understood. How do you just leave the Suicide Squad? Surely anyone in the Suicide Squad would want to would go. I'm going to leave the Suicide Squad because the clue is in the name. You you you're going to probably die. That's the whole point of it. There's a scene in and this where Amanda Waller literally deactivates the bomb in her neck and says, "You're free to go. You you you've been good. Good behaviour. We can let you out." And it's just a simple, just a simple absolute bullshit. Like even, that would yeah. happen. Even Huntress calls her out, and she's like, "No, that seriously didn't happen." She's like, "Yeah, it did." So anyway, there's more heads getting chopped off, and like the odd f bombs dropped because it's black label and we're dark and gritty, and we can do this. Um, so yeah, and there's even this really weird like plot line that shoehorned in with like the drummer in Black Canary's band's a heroin addict and like overdoses and it's like oh how how dark and gritty and unnecessary it doesn't there's no character development <laughs> there at all she's on the drum maybe, maybe that would be a better side a side on she's like so she's, at, we... she's at band practice and she's on the drums and they're like oh oh you're really letting us down at the moment what's wrong with you and it's like oh oh she's using again and then the next thing is she's found like overdose on the floor and it's like what was the purpose of that <laughs> ridiculous uh, brown, brown canary, that would be called. Brown canary. Harley's walking around with a dismembered head. And it's just... And then there's a, a moment where, of course, they they all have to go in a steam room or a sauna and they're all wearing towels for some reason. And then and then they all have to dress up as, nur- as nurses, nuns. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then there's a flashback to that Amanda Waller scene where they get let out, where she gets let out at the Suicide Squad. And she looks down at a t-shirt that says daddy's little monster and she and she takes it off and she throws it on the floor and she and she walks out of bell rave with a a breast there just plainly to see in in a bra holding up a middle finger it's like oh how badass are you <laughs> <laughs> and she walks into the sunset like hulk the sad little hulk and then oh. it, it gets worse. It gets worse, right? So, anyway, they get into all this shit. And um, all this time, Joker's chasing Harley. He's sending his goons after Harley, trying to kill Harley. And then there's this point where, um, like, the criminals are trying to kill Harley. And he's like, oh, no, I'm the only one that can kill you. So he goes after her. And then... Um, and all this time as well, his for some reason, some weird reason, his face is like in complete shadow. So it's almost as if they didn't want to stick to a particular Joker depiction, you know, in the face. Like they just put him all like in shadow. Right. It's a really weird yeah. choice. Because at first I thought, oh, it's not going to be him. It's going to be someone else. But it was him. So I don't know why they chose to do that. But anyway, he catches up with her in the end. And um, it's like... Um, uh, what, what? How many panels have we got here? Uh, 
six panel grid on the page, right? And it's the same like image of Harley kneeling down on the floor and Joker's got the gun to her head, like executioner style. And um and she's like, Oh um does this big speech and uh at the end of it all she says, um So that then we found each other and, and crawled in each other's void. What a romance. I still think you love me though, right? When you don't hate me, so I gotta ask, if you kill me, who's gonna drive you crazy? And then he, you just see a speech bubble from his gun saying, heh. And then he starts laughing, drops the gun, and, and just runs off laughing. And she was just there on the floor crying. She picks up the gun and points it to him. And it just says, end. And that's the end? It's like, what, what the fuck was that? It's like one of the worst things I've ever read. I mean, that sounds like fan. Like, if that was wrote on the internet, you know, like some yeah. fan. But then I was like, oh, is it like, is he trying to be ambiguous, like killing joke ending? You know, like, where you don't oh, you know. know if... yeah, you've got it right. He's trying to be ambiguous. You don't know if she shot him he's or, not you know. being successfully ambiguous. No, it's just, it's, no, he's I so, don't like that. So weak, man. Um, you know what? You know what isn't weak? Go on. Right? And you talking about what you just talked about made me, like, even appreciate this more. Right, you, no matter what is what, who you are and what comics you're into, you need to get onto Immortal Hulk because even if it gets to the this point we're at now, Legacy 750, with this issue, by the way, was like it was a small trade size issue. It's five dollars ninety nine, but it was which is cheap for what it is. It's a thick issue. Um, it, 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 there, there was points in this which it became a little bit meta and a little bit deep for me. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. But I still respected the writing. I didn't at any point groan and go, oh, God. I was more just like going, okay, maybe I'm just, if this is getting a bit higher brow than I thought a Hulk comic would be. It's, it, but it's the funny thing about Hulk comics, is, these Hulk comics is, it's always like when I walk away and then I sit there thinking about them afterwards and go, you know what? I get it now. I, I, I think I can't wait till whenever this Immortal Hulk run is over, I'm probably going to read it again from start to finish to see if I pick up on other things and to see if it still lands. But this one was extremely clever where the Hulk goes um, essentially inside his own mind. And he got another, they got another artist on board to animate that. And they do it very, very cleverly and clearly. But again, the horror aspect is kept where the, the Hulk bursts out of uh, Banner, completely ripping his body apart. But it's quite funny how they even say, like, I think he's done that before. We shouldn't write off the fact that Banner is dead. Let's just, you know, let's just uh, crown, as it were. And you've got this, these two characters. You've got the um, the uh, the weird white. I can't remember the name. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, the the white monster who speaks like um, like weirdly. Are you reading this, by the way? Are you reading? I it? I dropped off that when I couldn't get uh, the latest issue. Remember at the start when there was like a massive shortage of Immortal Hulk books because it was so hot and there was like yeah. first appearances of characters and stuff. I can't remember what issue, but. Um, I, I don't know. I, dro- I dropped off it because I just I couldn't get the books, so I was like, oh, "I'll trade weight on it now." Well, 
there's there's like a character in it which is I think that it's a brand new character. I'm not sure because if 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 I'm wrong, like Chris Snow, um, there's a character in who goes into people's memories and replaces them and puts themselves in those memories to make them seem like they've always been there. It's and it's so cleverly done within the comic, like the run, that you get people like referring to this character. And I was going, I've never heard of this character before. Why are people talking about this character like it's a normal thing? And all the, it's, it's only when some of the characters being questioning it, going, "Hold on, this character has not been here the whole time." And then it gets really out of control. Um, and it's a Bullman, that's it, Bullman is the one in charge of all this, and it goes very wrong for Bullman in the end. Um, but it's still, like, so horror-based. It's so, it, it, it reminds me more like Stranger Things now, and um, the, the Colour of the Space, uh, I think that's called, or the Colour from Space. And the way it ends, I won't ruin it for you, but at the end of this, a character, you know how... Uh, in Mortal Hulk comics, when you get to the last page, it says, like, the title of the comic is something else I like as well. Most comics have the title of the comic either at the beginning or two pages in. The Mortal Hulk puts it at the very, very end, like, to underline the whole thing. That's another um, horror trope, you know, like, at the end of a horror movie, they'll, like, flash the title up at the very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, like, like that was what it was leading to. What I like about that is that in the Mortal Hulk, that title suits the comic, but then it suits the last panel, implying that it also suits what is to come. It's quite, I love that about the Mortal Hulk. The Mortal Hulk is one of the most clever comics to come out, really. I still don't get why it's not even won a fucking any award. I need to catch up on this. I'm going to have to get the How far behind are you? Because it's Legacy 750, but it's issue 33. Are you behind a Wait there, and I'll tell you exactly where I'm up to because I've literally got my Hulk collection right here. Hang on. Well, Stan, well yeah, you have, you have Stan Lee Hulk collection. But Stan Lee did not write Hulk thinking it was going to turn out like Immortal Hulk. You've got Hulk there going like, hey, kids, don't throw litter because it makes me angry. It makes me mad. Right, I, I lie. I don't have it right here with me. But because I'm rereading all my Hulk books, It's uh, they're all in my stack next to my bed. At my bedside table, so I don't have it. But I'm pretty sure I'm up to like issue five or six, something like that. So what I'm what I'm really confused at here is you're saying you're rereading loads again, but I remember you had tons that you still need to read, and I see you post stuff like you're just still getting through a new Fifty Two Endgame, aren't you? No, I've actually done it all. I just I'm behind on posting my reviews for it. Oh right! Oh really? Oh oh. Oh, so you finished the, the you finished the Snyder room? Yes. Oh, ugh, why are we not talking more about that? We, you we, know how we long... have. We talked about this on the last episode. Did we? That yeah, you yeah, finished yeah. it. Uh, well, I, oh, I, I don't know if we talked about it all, but we definitely talked about uh, Death of the Family and Endgame. I think. Oh, maybe, maybe. I feel like. I feel like we talked about Death of the Family. I don't remember who talked about Endgame. Sorry, oh, listeners. Well, I, I really liked Endgame. I actually preferred that. That's weird. I didn't. I love Death of the Family. I, I, Endgame is very, very Snyder for me. And goes yeah. very, uh... but, but if Three Jokers comes out correctly, then Endgame could have a very different yeah. tone. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be another one where it's like rereads are in order. I think with uh, three Jokers, definitely. Honestly, um, New Fifty Two Batman, New Fifty Two Batman run with Snyder, so good. I, I'm really annoyed that I bought it for Gaz for Christmas, the, the first trade, like years ago. Like we're talking like four years ago. I bought it for him because he, he he does he does read and he does read the a comic if you put it in front of him. He's Red Watchman. And I was like, fucking, I bought you this for Christmas. Read it. You will like it. I'm telling you now. And when I last asked him, like, a couple of years ago, where is it? And this is when he just split up from his missus. He just went, I never got around to reading it because I was just busy. And it's in storage somewhere. And it's so annoying because I know if he picked that up, he would, like, ring me and go, that was fucking sick. Where's the second one? Well, when he does, we'll have him on this. Definitely talk about it. I'm gonna bully him again. If he, if he, I'm in fact, I'm gonna really press him on it next time I speak to him. And if he goes like, "Oh, it's in storage," I'll go, "Bullshit! Nothing's in storage anymore. Where is it?" If he says he's lost it, I'm gonna like send him the. Oh, hold on! I need to get rid of that so you don't get. Did you hear that? No. All right, sorry. I'm just putting my, my phone on silent. Okay. It pinged. Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, yeah, just buy him a new one. <laughs> get him one for Christmas or something. Uh, but... Nah, I'll fucking I'll I'll get him onto the digital hack of it. Oh yeah, I'll send him my naughty sites. <laughs> but um, speaking of Hulk uh, yeah. and my reread of Incredible Hulk, um, I mentioned on the last episode that I started with right from the very beginning with all the Stan Lee stuff, and I choked that down, and I'm now into like mid nineties Incredible Hulk. Uh, I'm on issue 419 at the moment. Uh, I'm in the Peter David Gary Fla- Gary Frank <laughs> era, uh, and it's oh, you're exactly you're exactly 251 issues behind me, mate. <laughs> but I tell you what, I'm really enjoying like mid 90s Incredible Hulk. It's so much fun. Uh, we're at this point now where Banner is coexisting with the Hulk, i.e., you know, Avengers Endgame. So he's just living as the Hulk right now. Um, and Peter David is is a real legendary writer, and he's great with his humour and his characters. And Gary Frank, one of my all time favourite artists, uh, really great to see him on the book. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying it, and I've sent you a few things from it actually, like that ridiculous wedding cover. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and, Cap- and Sue Captain Storm and... being a slut. Yeah, it's Sue Storm. Like, I have no recollection of her outfit mid nineties being so slutty, like. But you know what? She's got like it a, explains a why. By the way, anyone listening, we are not we're not slut shaming. By the way, it's it's nothing like that. But Sue Storm is wearing outfits in the scenes that you, there's just no reason to wear that outfit, and it also doesn't fit the character. If you know Sue Storm, it's like well, she's literally in that outfit because the artist was like really lonely and just did that. But it's also why I think Fieldmouse and Leo are like really rate people by Sue Storms. Like, oh, she was five Sue Storms. That person was seven Sue Storms. I think Leal and Fieldmouse grew up with that. And their, their version of Sue Storm is different from ours. We know her as, like, kind of, like, subtle, intelligent, sexy. But, you know, she doesn't go around flaunting it. Whereas they know her more or less like a Lara Croft's character, like, big pointy boobies. I don't know. It's, it's very much like, you know, we say Sue Storm is ride or die. She's, like, the ultimate ride or die. Like, you know, she's just, she's the ideal woman. And it's not just because she has a, a cut-out boob hole. 
in <laughs> in the nineties. <laughs> uh, yeah, but apart from that, I'm really enjoying Incredible Hulk at the moment. Um, let's just talk about the last couple of new books before we move on to Batman oh, yeah. the White Knight. Uh, so I've read the final issue of Deceased The Unkillables. Issue three of three finally made its way to me. Um, Graham, a guest of the pod, was taunting me online because he got the digital release first before I got my physical copy. And he was like, dude, just, just, I cheered at one point and I was like, oh my God, he's really bigging it up now. And yeah, it had a great moment. I don't want to ruin it in case you read it, but um, it was just a really satisfying ending. It was just crazy I action. Might, yeah, I think that's really appreciated. I might pick it up in trade. It was not, not something I gravitated towards, but given how comics have dried up at the moment and I'm just... um. I mean, I don't know how other people listening have had to deal with like their financial, uh, like financial issues or whatever during this. But like for us in here, it wasn't like so much that we had financial issues, but we both agreed that because the future is so uncertain, we won't spend money when we don't need to. So I've really pulled back on buying books. I, I've literally my first book like you've got pissed when those comics arrived <laughs> and like, you were like came... i ordered them months ago yeah i was like no no no, no. i was like yeah they're weeks old i've been waiting for, them for weeks honest 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 it's like you better they better fucking be and i opened i was like look look this is issue eight and i was googling going, look, look. Like, okay fine fine because she's made scrimps as well she's not, she lets me get away with fucking murder by the way so when we both agree on something it's like cool but um I literally just got uh, the next Batgirl trade through because I know I'm going back to work next week and she's still unsure about how my job is. But yeah, I know how my job is. And from what I've been told, it's fine. We're fine. Don't worry. So I just got my page through. It's my birthday. I was like, I'm getting two things. One, a PS4. Two, a brand new trade. One, when we get Batgirl, motherfucker. Which Batgirl trade? Um, the next one on from um, for the first one, uh, she. Oh fuck! Are you Hold talking on. about oh. Batgirl of Burnside? Yeah, second trade of oh, Batgirl of Burnside. Oh, okay, okay. I've got the second trade of that, which I've, which weirdly was. I remember. I'm sure I wanted to get it as soon as I read the first trade, but I don't know if it, it come out. I think I got the first trade not long after the, you know, the issues have been out, and it's still halfway through this this run. So I always put a little peg in it, put a pin in it, and was like, I'll come back to it later. I've got a nice little wish list now of my own stuff, and as I was going through it, I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I want to get back on Batgirl. Nice. I've got all those in singles signed, by the way, because I met the creative team. I know team. you have, you <laughs> fucking Lovely, bastard. lovely people. Uh, Babs Tar, she did me a, a sketch that I've got hanging on my wall here of, of Batgirl, and it's, it's great. It's one of my most prized possessions. But, yeah, I enjoyed Batgirl of Burnside. I thought it was good. So, yeah, if you're going to enjoy that, let me know what you think about it. Maybe we could even do a book club on it. We might have an episode on uh, Batgirl of Burnside, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, well, see how far we get in, because I am aware at some point it becomes kind of like uh, it addresses Killing Joke. I don't know where it comes comes in. Don't tell me when. But I feel the book that it addresses Killing Joke in will be interesting to do a book club on, because yeah. I feel there's a lot of 
there's a there was a lot of discussion at the time. I feel it's just been lost and buried from other stuff. So I would love to bring that up and highlight it. Yeah, I think uh, we should get Graham on for that as well because he'd he'd be great with that. Yeah, 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 Graham. Graham, by the way, was sound. Graham, if you're listening, dude, it wasn't like it wasn't just guy love right then and there on the on the pod. Like I afterwards I took Chris, I've been like going, that guy. That guy was cool. Is he is he single? Is he is he free? <laughs> What's he up to? So, um, yeah, Deceased Unkillables, issue three of three, by Tom Baylor. Oh, sorry, I mean Tom Taylor. Um... <laughs> oh, what's that? What, what's that about? Is he bailed on something? No, Tom Baylor, like he's a bay. Oh, right. That... No, that came off that, 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 to me, like, if I was Tom, I wouldn't like that, because it makes him sound like he bails on shit. Like, you get halfway through some, like, run and he gets off. Oh, hell no. He always, he always uh, gives a satisfying ending, does Tom Taylor. And this is no exception. It's an absolutely great series. Um, crazy action and fights. Uh, yeah, I don't really... I don't want to spoil it for you, but something awesome happens at the end and there's some amazing well, tension. Don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't ruin it, because like, if, there's, if there's a trade of it, I'll probably buy it. It, wasn't, it was at a time when it, was, when it was coming out. I remember I was trying to cut down, but... Yeah, it's it's just I'll probably pick that up in a trade. I'd rather have it in a trade. And I, I remember when it was advertising single issue, I thought I can't be fucked with this right now. I'll just well before we move into Curse of the White Knight, I've got two books that I want to talk about because I am mutant and proud, and oh. I want to talk about some X Men. Oh. So Marauders issue ten just came out this week, and it is amazing. Oh. So, written by Jerry Duggan, and art is by Stefano Caselli. And the writing is just good in it, man. It's that book with um, Captain Kate Pride. And, um, I mean, I'm going to spoil it for you, because you're not going to read it, are you? So, no. So, yeah, spoilers for Marauders, if anyone's not caught up. This happened in the last... Is it the last issue or the one before that? It's hard to keep track with this like, three-month gap. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, Captain Kate Pride is now dead. Now, usually that wouldn't be a problem with X-Men these days because no no X-Men can die. They can resurrect them on Krakoa. They basically grow... Hold on. Whoa, they... whoa. Hold on. I know that she can't go to Krakoa because of her phasing issues. Mm-hmm. What do you... What do you what, rewind that statement. What do you mean any mutant can die and Krakoa can revive them? What do you yeah, mean? Yeah, right. So I missed that out when I was telling you about the new X-Men status quo. So, X Men can be revived now once they die. Krakoa basically what? grows a new X Man in a pod with the help of a few other mutants. Um, and <laughs> basically, Xavier has this like iCloud where he like backs up everyone's memory every once in a while. So he just like puts that in them, and they're just basically the same, you know, from the last. So uh, hold on, are you telling me that there's mutants in the Marvel universe? That are, and I, I quote myself here, that are Trigger's broom. Well, they, they are, are they, because they have, they're... they have a copy of their memory, not their actual memory, a copy of their memory and a brand new body. But well, that is, isn't it's, their body. it's identical. It's identical to. I don't give a shit it's identical. I could find, Chris, if you gave me the in, enough t- 10 years and infinite money. I bet I could find a person that looks identical to you, like absolutely <laughs> identical. And I would, and by the, and everyone listening who see Chris might go, 
No, because you wouldn't have the tattoos. That's why I said infant money and 10 years. I'd find them, tattoo the fucking same tattoos on them. I'd find them. It's possible. I'll tell you what they wouldn't have, mate. This scar that I have on my hand when I ran into a wall of death at your gig holding a pint glass. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that? In Omsky. I do not remember that. I do not remember that for any accident lawyers listening on. I do not remember that. There is no conversation. And for the listeners, I'm going to post that image of the aftermath on the Instagram of me holding well, my wound. Do you have that photo? It's on, it's on uh, the MySpace for the sellout floor. Was that was that the same was that in gig where uh, Deke ran into the pit with a skateboard? I'm not sure. I can't remember that part. I might have been getting Deke, stitched up. Deke, it was some Shakespeare, wasn't it? No, it was the uh, the uh, the the hall. What's it called? The hall. Fucking uh, oh, what was that place called? It was opposite that pub on the corner in Ormskirk. Oh, the comrade. No, no. Was it Civic Hall? Oh, Civic Hall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. You got a scar in the Civic Hall? Yeah. That's like, that's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, like that's like saying, oh, I got stabbed in fucking in Whitehall Avenue. It's like really that was that's too high class a place for you to have got a scar. Yeah. Okay. That was fucking mad. Anyway, we're digressing again. What were we talking? About? Oh yeah, mutants. That they, they can they if they die they can come back. It's not an issue. Apart from uh, Kate Pride, they're having they're having trouble with her. They can't bring her back, and we don't know why. But no, no hold on. Well, what do you mean they don't know why? I could tell you why. You told me she can't go there because she can't phase there, yeah. which you have to go through the portal to get there. So that to me is that was all you had to say. You know how Kate Pride can't go there. Yeah. Well, they can't revive her. The fact that they're saying that we don't know why makes it more annoying to me because I'm like, <laughs> I've, come with, I've come with a story why they can't. Why have they not? Why have they complicated it even more? I hate X-Men. Well, I hope, they br- I hope they bring her back. She was my favourite character of last year. Even though I, I didn't nominate her for Chris's comics, I chose Batman because I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know what? It's like, it's, a, it's not really common comics for... Uh, superheroes to die and come back. So I don't really know why you, you, you'd, you'd hope I that. Know, but I'm like, how, how is it going to happen now? It's intriguing. But anyway, that's not the that's not the best part about this book. The best part about this issue, well, there's a couple of best parts, and they both include Emma Frost because she's just amazing. But there's a really, really good scene in this where so Emma Frost and uh, Pyro, they're infiltrating this bad guy place, and they come across these bad guys who are shooting on them in this hallway. And Emma Frost just like hides behind the corner, and you know she wears like those um, very revealing blazers with nothing underneath. Yeah, for, for so, again, if anyone if anyone's a, a flat scan and doesn't understand, Emma Frost is very overly sexualized, but that's because her character tries to seduce people. She's like a poison ivy character. Is that she correct? She uses her sexuality to get places. Definitely. Along along with her mind control, so she's got like this mixture of all she needs to do is divert um, divert your attention, which is very easy because she's got like massive tits. And then because your di- your attention's diverted, she then takes over your mind, like Professor Pro- Professor Xavier, and just runs the show. That's am I am I right in that? Or I oversimplified that. No, you're exactly right. She also turns herself into diamond, so she can do that too, which is pretty cool. Wait, hold on, can she? What she can. 
Wait, hold on. Is she in? Is she in Wolverine Origins? No, she's in First Class. Oh, hang on, no, she is in Wolverine Origins. Yeah, yeah, someone else. The girl who turns into diamonds. Yeah, that's right. At the end. Oh god, that that movie. <laughs> oh no. Oh <laughs> no. It's, it's when they're facing Deadpool. That's right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. she goes to rescue her sister, doesn't she? Um, but no, she's she's in um, first class a lot more with Kevin Bacon. You, All right, you know okay. one. Uh, so anyway, there's this scene with Emma Frost in here. It's fucking great. So she hides around the corner and she says to Pyro, this is a job for a telepath, darling. And then she unbuttons her jacket and <laughs> walks around the corner and just lets her tits just hang out. And she says, gentlemen, I know when I've met my betters, but you lot are not it. And they all like <laughs> like blushing and looking at her tits, and then she, she clearly takes control of all their minds, and they all just shoot each other in the dick. Um, oh no, not dick, leg. Sorry, dick would have been better, but they all shoot each other. And Pyro... to be fair, bro, to be fair, you don't know how those guys are hung. Maybe <laughs> it wasn't their dick. You know, you know, we we've not all got like pinky stubs like you. It might have been like knee knee dick, knee dick like me. So so Pyro goes hot damn. How did you control so many of them at once? And Emma says, it's easy to control leering monkeys, Pyro, when they all have the same thought. It's just so fucking cool. And then there's an even better scene with Emma Frost here when she she says, she says she goes on this big old rant and she says about mutants' rights and she says disabled rights, trans rights, gay rights and any humans that dare to exist as an oppressed minority. And it's just such a fist-pumping moment. It's like, fuck yeah. Because it's been such a metaphor, hasn't it? All these years for any sort of minorities, you know, the mutants. Um... I mean, I mean, just just in case anyone's listening back on this in, like, a archival way, like how I would. If I find a podcast, I have to go from episode one all the way through. At this point in time, the world is literally on fire um, in the sense that Black Lives Matters has become more important right now than it will, it will than it ever been. I don't want to say it than it will ever be because I can't see the future. But on, uh, it's gone from being like just a cause that you get behind to being a full-on movement that will, it, and for rightly so because of stuff that's happened in the past few weeks with um, uh, George Floyd that. And we don't get political on this, by the way. We're not we're not taking p- p- political sides, but uh, uh, this these couple of weeks, yeah, it's George. Um, a man called George Floyd was definitely murdered, and Black Lives Matter has just by, by police. <laughs> I mean, if, if anyone doesn't, if anyone would know this anyway. But we just need to say that for for someone that hasn't heard about what's going yeah, on. Yeah, for all like I said, for all we know, this could be this could be thirty, forty. Or hundred years in the future, and someone's just accidentally clicked play on a Winamp file. <laughs> I didn't mean to listen. But, but the, I mean, I think yeah, it, the, it's super important right now, especially to say something like that. And, and uh, it's weird though because this was written obviously a while back now, before before it's kicked off. But 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 don't almost oh don't say that, Chris. Come on, of all the people to go, it's weird that they wrote that now. Isn't X Men. As much as I hate X Men, I don't. I don't. Ha- I respect it. As I, I've never said, like, I've never said, like, X Men should be erased from history. I, I've always just gone. I just don't enjoy it. Yeah, but that's fair X-Men, enough. X Men. 
um, has always been essentially like a very on point version, uh, you know, on point of Black Lives Matter before oh, yeah. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always... heavily been implied. I mean, Stanley's come out and said it himself that that's what in mind when he created the mutants. You know that it was meant to, you know, represent minorities in the world that are downtrodden and uh, mistreated. You know. Yeah, so... and if anyone, by the way, is going like, "Oh, you're just words in uh, Stanley's mouth," you can see Stanley's soapbox. Um... Uh, just have to go Stanley Soapbox racism and he had a whole thing on it and also my favourite character Daredevil he specifically created because he wanted a disabled character to have to be like a superhero and he made one of the best superheroes that I personally think has ever been ever yeah, incredibly compelling character um, yeah. but something that I, I want to bring up before we move on from this is something that you said to me the other day that I thought was absolutely brilliant and I did see that you tweeted it, which I'm happy about. Yeah. But J- me and JB were talking about what the fuck is going on in the world at the moment in America and stuff. And Jay said to me, if Trump gets another term, it's going to kick off the Watchmen universe. <laughs> which is <laughs> so worryingly true that it, it's just like, oh my God, he's fucking right. It will. Honestly, dude, I've got like my Rorschach mask ready if it, if it kicks <laughs> off. I mean, oh. I've got the. You know, I have the trench coat. You know, I've got the hat. I just, I just need to find the mask, and I could go out there, and I could, I could do Rorschach. Who's gonna be Night Owl or comedian? Oh, you'd be. Uh, oh, I mean, to be fair, if if I, if I dye my beard again, I can get that muzzy back and just shave everything else off, couldn't I? Oh, you know what? I might. If we're talking about like rereads and rewatches and shit. Like, if anyone's not watched that HBO Watchmen series, Jesus Christ. Oh, shit. More relevant now more than ever. To watch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you want to educate yourself, like, I, I, I mean, I get it. It's, it's fictitious. And it sets, um, it sets its, uh, it makes its own fictitious history. It's that history is clearly based on real events. So it's not like you can watch it and go, well, that never happened. No, it didn't happen in that fake town they made up. But it fucking happened somewhere in in this world. So, again, for Black Lives Matter and everything going on right now, now if you're listening back, if you want to get an idea, watch HBO's Watchmen uh, series because it really encapsulates kind of like the feeling right now. Okay, so one more book that I want to mention before we go into our main topic um, is going to be Giant Size X-Men Nightcrawler, which is the new giant size book that they brought out. They're doing every every character they're focusing on. Uh, they did, uh, what was the last one they did? Storm and Jean Grey, I think, was the... Oh, no. Wait, oh, what I, do you I mean? can't fucking remember. So Giant Size X-Men uh, is a famous, famous book. Uh, I've got the reprint framed on my wall here because it was the introduction of all the new X-Men. So, like, Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler. Like, that was, like, a big deal. They brought out Giant Size X-Men. Um, so they're doing that, using that name as sort of, like, a cash-in, really, to release one-shots for each character, you know? So we got Nightcrawler. Oh, they, X- X-Men and Marvel do that a lot. Like, they, uh, I feel like, didn't you say, like, the last Uncanny run was awful, but one of um, X-Men's biggest ones ever was Uncanny X-Men? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, 
but yeah, the, the latest one here is Nightcrawler. I was really excited for this because uh, it's Jonathan Hickman and he's just, you know, he's steering X-Men in the right direction now. And yeah, then, yeah. Was he the one who, he's the one who's done Krakow and everything. Krakow, yeah. Yeah, That's Krakow. Right. So, Krakow, sorry. And then I heard that Alan Davis was on the art for this book. He's a legendary... The guy, the guy from QI. No. <laughs> but I, actually, I've worked with Alan Davis from QI. When I used to do... Oh, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, what do you mean? Oh, sorry, yeah. this is definitely a time for hashtag I know. <laughs> well, you know, you know, I used to do a bit of extra work for the telly. Yes. Well, I worked on this show once, it was on BBC Three or something, and uh, Alan Davis was starring in it, and I had lunch with him. Uh, yeah, nice, <laughs> nice bloke. Sorry. Hold on, you, why have you never told me this? Why have you never told me you've had a fun lunch with Alan Davis? I mean, what was the show? What was the show? It was called The Good Housekeeping Guide. Um, I was. I told I, I, I've never, I've never watched it, but I remember seeing it on my TV guide. I remember yeah. seeing the housekeeping guide. Yeah, I, I never watched the show. I was one of the party goers. <laughs> I had it was right. when I, it was when I had my long black hair and I had to tie it back in a ponytail. And I was outside one of these parties smoking a cigarette. <laughs> right. I am definitely... I'm going to make up a reason to watch that. You can actually... You. you can hear my laugh in it more than anything. There's like a scene where there's like a girl throwing up in the bushes. And you just hear me go... <laughs> but were you meant to be laughing? Or were you yeah, like just laughing? Yeah, they told me like... Spark up a ciggy and laugh. Um, yeah, so anyway, Alan Davis. But not that Alan Davis... It's the legendary X-Men artist. He did Excalibur back in the day. And this is very much an Excalibur book, which I've got no problem because I love that series and I'm currently rereading that as well. Uh, but to have this advertised as a Nightcrawler book, I-, I wanted a bit of Nightcrawler character development and it focused on him. But this was just like a weird kind of Scooby-Doo adventure with the Excalibur cast in uh, like a haunted, abandoned Xavier school. Because they've abandoned expansion now, um, and it was it was a cool like eerie tale, but it wasn't a Nightcrawler book, so it was a bit, bit, bit disappointing. It was okay. Well, I was going to say, has it not been like a Nightcrawler book recently, like in the past year? No, no, he's he's not really. He's, I mean, he's in he's in X Men books a lot now. He's he's part of. I just, the... I just felt like I just felt like I saw him. Like... On a was it not it'd be amazing Nightcrawler or something? I felt like there was something recently. If, it, if I mean if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I felt like when I went to the comic book shop, there was like a Nightcrawler solo series going on last year. Oh, you're thinking of that horrendous X Men event that we had that was um, oh, what was it fucking called? I've forgotten the name. Oh, was it Dawn of Dawn of X Man? Dawn of X, Dawn of X, that was it, yeah, and it was fucking atrocious. No, it was this, he had like a, he might have had a mini there, but it was like a, yeah, that whole event was awful. It was like an alternate version, really, but not in a good Elseworlds way. It was just horribly done. Uh, But yeah, that's that's all the new books anyway. uh, We've rambled on for a long time here, so we should probably do a very quick (laughs) review of Batman Curse of the White Knight. So you're happy, yeah. to, happy to move on? Happy. Okay, so Batman Curse of the White Knight, the eight-issue miniseries, and the one-shot Batman White Knight Presents Von Fries uh, by Sean Gordon Murphy, and that one-shot is uh, the artist by Klaus Janssen. 
So Sean Gordon Murphy pulled double duty again on writing and art. Um, so this is the sequel to Batman White Knight. I'll just read the synopsis out. So, ancient curses are awoken and timelessless secrets are revealed in this explosive sequel to the critically acclaimed blockbuster Batman White Knight from writer-artist Sean Murphy. The Joker recruits Azrael to help him expose a shocking secret about the Wayne family's legacy and run Gotham City into the ground. As Batman rushes to protect the city and his loved ones from danger, the mystery of his ancestry unravels and Batman begins to question everything he thought he knew about himself and his place in Gotham. With Gotham City's identity and institutions hanging in the balance, Barbara Gordon decides to take matters into her own hands, but will her rogue actions play right into the Joker's plans? After tragedy strikes, Rene Montoya steps into the fray to lead the GTO and restore order to the chaos that is quickly consuming Gotham City. Lightning quick pacing and an all-star cast of Gotham's heaviest hitters will keep you on the edge of your seat until the breathtaking finale of this second instalment of White Knight Saga. So, what do you think of that synopsis? I think the synopsis explains the story a lot better than what the story explains the story. <laughs> right, okay. So, let's just let's break it down. We'll do initial review, pluses, minuses, and then overall review. Uh, so, in my opinion, it had big shoes to fill as the White Knight was praised as being something fresh and fun for Batman. Yeah. And I'll say this was a pretty enjoyable sequel. It did start a bit slow, the first few issues. It only really kicks into high gear around issue four. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, my, my issue with it, the only issue I have, and we've talked about this before, is why go into like 200 years past into a hero? It just doesn't matter. I mean, it convolutes things to the point where I was just reading, going, am I in the comic or a history book? And my brain just goes, my brain goes, this is fictitious history, so who gives a shit? But it's not like prequel history. Where prequel, the, the prequels, as bad as they are, the prequels are about the characters themselves. We're going 200 years beforehand. I, I just, I, I did, I, as soon as it did that, my brain went, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% with you there. Let's start at minuses, eh? <laughs> and then we'll go good. So, for me, the pacing seemed off at parts. And yeah. like, like the backstory to the Waynes was a bit boring. I mean, that's yeah. really all I've got with minuses. I mean, was it? I mean, I don't care how you thought it was going to be exciting. Backstory of a, a very rich family that lives in a, in essentially the DC's version of New York City. Who gives a shit? Yeah. yeah, it was a weird place to take it. I mean, I understand why I did it because. Um, do I understand why I did it? I don't... <laughs> wow, now this is interesting. This is interesting that you said that. I think I get the story. I think I get it. But I don't know for sure. And that says something about the the story itself, the fact that I I could, I could definitely, hand on heart, you put a load of comics in front of me, I'll tell you the story. Not an issue. This one, I think that the Waynes didn't... <laughs> this is me. And if I'm wrong, email Chris, and it, it won't be an insult to me. It just says more about Sean Murphy. Um, I think that the Waynes overtook Gotham when Gotham was being run by a guy that shouldn't have been r- running it because he was bad at it. 
but then made themselves out to be more elite than they were. Uh, you know what? No, I don't. I don't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. All I know is that apparently Bruce Wayne is not a genuine Wayne. Yeah. And, um, and what's his name? Uh, the I don't really like him in this. What's he called? Azrael. Azrael. Azrael, by the way, I like in other comics. Um, there's uh, the Detective Comics new um, Rebirth Room. He's, I like him in that. I like Azrael. Jean-Paul um, Valley. Yeah, yeah. Didn't like him in this at all. No, um, there's so... something that I did like about it. It was his bat suit. I thought it was probably the best it's ever looked. Uh, let me have a look at it. Oh, I've got a nice. issue here. I mean, that's one thing that was great about it, and that's the art is still great. You know. Yeah, I mean, the the art's boss. The art. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some real power points in this. Like, again, spoilers, by the way. If you, if you didn't know this was coming up, book book club comes with spoilers. But here we go. Uh, Gordon dies. Bane dies. Uh, Batgirl nearly dies. Um, Joker dies. A lot. Joker, Joker. Does Joker die? Please tell me you've read the last issue. <laughs> I haven't read the last issue. I can't remember. Does Joker die? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like the moment, isn't it? I on, on, This is the thing, right? This is the thing that really got me wound up when I was gonna do this because I sat that I, I haven't read many comics because I have any comics to read. So in the run up to this, literally in the past. Two days. I've been looking at my pile going, have I read them? Have I? And to get me, like, make sure I'm okay, like, have I read them? I picked up a couple. The first two I picked up was I picked up Spider-Man. I picked up Punisher Soviet, which I've not talked about. But, well, that's for another time. Um, and I looked, skimmed them quick. Well, Spider-Man I picked up and immediately opened and went, yes, I've read that. Doesn't matter. Punisher Soviet, I skimmed them and yes, I've read it. I looked at Batman White Knight and was like, I know I read that because as soon as it came through the fucking door, I read it. I know I did. And then I just carried on like skimming. But now you've said that, I'm going, you know what? I can't. I remember one main part, main bit from that comic and that it's, um, what's his name appears at the end? Um, um, Jason Todd as an army officer. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, so I've read I've I've not retained the information that Joker is dead. I'm mentioning about the art, right? So the action just flows so well in this book. The movements are just like near perfect. You know, Sean Murphy just depicts movement and action so well. And the atmosphere is just done wonderfully. You know, he also holds nothing back in this universe at all with killing major characters. You know, and it makes everything feel more dangerous, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know, you don't know who's going to die next. The, something else that I loved was the awesome Mister Freeze one shot. Yeah, I've sick. got this here. Well, you know how much I like that. Mm. You know how much it is. Um, and Harley's return really interesting. The way that he used Harley in this, loved that aspect of it. I also really liked the idea that there's a little bit of a unrequited love being. Harley and Batman. Yeah, I, I really like their relationship in this. Like, you know, I ship I, them. I get it. I, 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 if anyone's mad at that, you can fuck off. I think it's very natural. Yeah. And it's, it's it's actually what I feel 
did that was was originally always there when the characters were invented in the beginning. The, there's always something where she's a, it's like this horrible love triangle. She's obsessed with Joker. She shouldn't be. Joker is not really interested in her. He's interested in Batman. And Batman wants to pull Harley away from Joker because he knows she's not that bad. But he, as the more he gets to know her, and the more it, it, it kind of, yeah, really interesting, really fucked up love triangle there. In this universe, but, uh, in the Murphy verse, it works definitely. Yeah, in the Murphy verse, it definitely works. Um, I've just quickly flipped through this issue of eight. I don't think the Joker dies in this issue. No, it's issue seven. Yeah, issue seven. Yeah. I've remembered now. Yeah, issue seven, he dies. Um, but flicking through that again, like you said, the act. The action's great. This is the thing. What I really liked about this, anything that was present day was fantastic and interesting. He he nails dialogue. He absolutely nails how these characters would talk to each other. No heart holds barred. No Disneying it up. No Warner Brothersing it up. It's like, actually, this is how these fuckers would talk to each other. The one thing he does not nail, and I have yet to... it's It's not a shot at him. If you listen to Sean, not a shot at you. It's just the history part does not work. Because, again, he has to pull back on the dialogue because they wouldn't talk like that back then. So it's very full sooth. My art is da da da. And it just loses the momentum. Yeah, it's, it's like when you put. Really jarring. It's like, yeah, it's like a motorhead gig. It's like the, the fucking book is like a motorhead gig. And any time that this comes in, it's like the motorhead going, We're going to play Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. So, like, what? Where does that come from? Not that it's bad. It just doesn't work. It just really doesn't work. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Have you got anything else you want to talk about it before we go into, like, overall thoughts? Um, I loved... I, I actually really liked how they killed Gordon. Yeah, I, that I, had, like, some impact, that, didn't it? The, the, sorry, so, the, in fact, they do a few things here, actually. They kill Gordon. Did they... It's in, it's in this they reveal to Gordon that Batgirl is Barbara, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So again, there's, there's like big reveals in Batman lore, which I completely was like, I'm okay with this. This is cool because he's set it up so well and that it's fine. Yeah. And this is what Black Label is designed for. This yeah. is this is what works on Black Label, not that piece of shit, but Prey that just came out as an excuse for over-the-top gore and swearing and drug use. It's not about that. It's about doing really thought-through thought else stories, else world stories, you know, just fully realised universes that they could go into in the whole barge, you know. I liked as well, I liked the bit where it was like, pick a Batmobile. Oh, mate, that was my highlight of the entire book. You know, just like that Batman 89, Burton, Batmobile has just sat there. And I I screamed in bed. I scared Abby, I think. And I was, <laughs> I, she was like, what? What is it? And I was like, ooh, it's 89, Batman, Batmobile. And she just sighed and rolled over. But like, oh mate, and then he says, "Let's get nuts," and it's just like, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Let's get nuts. I, that was the bit of ice cream. I was oh, like, all mate. right, Batman there, and so let's get nuts. And I went, oh yeah. shit. Any, anyone that knows me knows I've got a hard on for Batman '89 by Burton, and that was just perfect. 
you know. Um, yeah. And he's, he just draws the fuck out of vehicles, doesn't he, Sean Murphy? He just knows exactly yeah. the right yeah. angles. and. draws the, the fuck out of everyone. Can we yeah. just... We can just entertain everyone with the fact that I've got, like, double copies of every issue. Because every time I walked into the comic book shop, I would buy the issue that was out, the normal issue, put it in my go with the rest of them going by. The next week, I would go in and, not even looking at the issue number, I would see the variants and think, that's the next issue, and put it in the pile and move on. And I'm like, I haven't got every issue of, like, both copies of every issue, but I'm fucking damn close to the point where I've got a, uh, I'm, I'm making a, a, a frame with most of them in. But God damn, some of these are beautiful. Like I, I, I actively, the Joker variant number eight was what I was waiting for. Mm. Um, I love issue two uh, variant with, which is Batman. And it's mostly black, but him just car like, Hiding in the corner with a dagger as well. I always thought that I, I look at that and go, "That's weird thing to have a dagger," but I don't question it. The Gordon issue is is beautiful. It's like a proper noir detective look. Alfred is in like uh, looking like some kind of like fencing guy. Batgirl, she's looking. It's all orange and then fun like a her. There's so much the the Harley Quinn one, which you even messaged me about. You fucking getting this one yeah. where she's just like. Every cover is just insane. Like, he's so good. Have you noticed on the Harley Quinn one that Joker um, is obviously standing in the background with the Batman 89 Joker gun? But if you look carefully, his reflection in the, uh, I assume, the water in the alleyway, it's him as Jack Napier. Oh, nice. No, I didn't catch that. It's it, it's him normal, like not looking like that at all. That is cool. Um, I mean, yeah, it's uh, a say... lot to like. He gets Sean Murphy gets a lot right. He gets a lot yeah. of story points right. He's he's very brave. He he draws stuff to well. He pays just his fan service isn't like overbearing. It's it's fantastic. It, it it pulls old fans in, and new fans will just be like they'll just enjoy it anyway. It's not like it. It excludes people. It was just the history lessons that were just like, oh my god, fuck off. Yeah, it pulled it down definitely. But I mean, overall, I'd say it wasn't as good as the first volume, but it's definitely right. a solid Batman story worth reading. Yeah, I give it a seven out of ten. I'd give it an eight out of ten. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. it, it just brought me a great reading experience. Do you know what I mean? Like that moment that I had about the Batman '89 thing, you know, and just like, just those little little fan service nuggets that he knows what to pull on, and those moments that you remember when you've read this, you know. And I'm really looking forward to the next, you know, thing that he does with the Murphy verse. Well, I didn't. I, I actually was reading, thinking like, we're not. This is it. I thought this is it. This is this is the end of the Murphy verse. When Gordon dies and Bat that's another thing we haven't talked about really, but Batman reveals himself like I am Bruce Wayne, takes and not in a not in a damn way. No, no, no. Like he, he's just like I he, he am Bruce get Wayne. His, doesn't get his knob out revealing himself. <laughs> no, he, he reveals himself and everyone accepts it, but at the same time it's like you've got to get go to fucking jail. Um, which I, again, it was cool. It was absolutely fine. 
Um, but then I, I was expecting this to be the, the end of the Murphyverse. And then to throw just randomly army Jason Todd in at the end, I went, well, hold on. Yeah, you, you've not ended this. Where are you going? So I am interested to see where he goes from here. Yeah, I'll definitely be picking it up. No, yeah, that's that's the thing. I think even if even if Sean Murphy missteps a little, he's so solid in his racing, and his drawing, and his and his dialogue, and his plot points, and so many other things that even a misstep means that everyone's still going to pick it up. Yeah, it's still better than anything else that's gone at the moment. You know? Still better than Razzarello's Birds of Prey. <laughs> oh yeah. So I think we should wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to like, rate, and review on Apple. Write a quick review; it makes massive differences. And send me a message at Chris's Comics Podcast at gmail dot com. Anything you want to plug, JB? Um, yeah, because now I'm going to work. I need everyone to go on to talknerdy dot uk and to listen to the podcast. We've done. I'm assuming I'm just like you are that podcasts are different and when you're on your way to work or you're in work whatever i have noticed a little dip in the uh, listenership not a major one but a little dip and i do think it's because we've all we, it's weirder to listen or we or like you are you can't just sit down put your phones in so you know what if now you're going back to work go listen to all the podcasts me and gaz have done in quarantine i think they're quite funny by the fact that it's just listen to me and Gaz dealing with quarantine and we can't even deal with a sandwich. We can't deal with much. So quarantine's quite funny from our point of view. But yeah, just do that. Also just yeah, email Chris any questions you've got for me and Chris, I imagine. Yeah. Any books that you want us to cover? You know, if if you've got a yeah, if you've got a book club I, for us to do. I would I would honestly I would love I would love people to email you saying you need to review this book because I would love to buy the book and when it arrives and you'd go, what you bought this book for? Go, because someone has, you know, requested us to do this. We are doing a public service. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, though, the next one. Have you you read um, Under the Hood? I haven't, you know. uh, My next Batman to read is uh, Death in the Family. I've got Death in the Family. Well, this well that, that's that's quite funny because that's that's the prequel to this, really, isn't it? <laughs> this well, is a, yeah, Jason Todd's so, return, isn't it? Uh, do well, you want to do Do you want to do Death in the Family and then Under the Hood? Can do, yeah. What are you? What are you? Are you going to do an Ask a Yang soon? Um, the new episode just came out the other day, actually. Um, oh, did I, it? Yeah, I didn't even know it came out, but the only way I knew was because Ryan Hall messaged me. And asked me to send him oh, a right. picture of that um, American section in the grocery store because uh, we talk about that and we actually talk about you a lot in it as well because we address your uh, concerns uh, about being lumped in with drinking tea stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's Ooh. out. That's out now. Yeah, I forgot to plug that. Yeah, go check out my other podcast with Feel Mouse from Nerd Cult Underground. It's called Ask a Yank, and you can listen to it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And also at illegacy.com. That's where well, I, I talk to my to... American buddy and ask him about all these myths about Americans and whether they're true or not. And, and oh, why, that's what I'm going to hear. And why, gonna... why do they speak so literal? Why is it always horseback riding, sidewalk? 
why, you know, why have you got to know exactly where you're riding that horse and where you're walking? So, yeah, check that out. Right, you cool? Yeah. So thanks for joining me, man. We'll do another soon. No worries. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Over and out. Bye.